At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Your next visit to the doctor will look very different from the days before COVID-19. From temperature screenings to stringent infection control procedures and more, we'll explain what's being done to keep patients and staff protected on this episode of Baptist Health Talk. Hello, Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. This is your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco, and I'd like to welcome you to another special edition of our show focused on the coronavirus. In this age of pandemic, there is one universal truth. We're all being forced to make adjustments to the way we do things. That's true for individuals as well as for organizations. As a healthcare provider, Baptist Health South Florida has always put patient safety first. But what does this mean in practical terms? As we reopen for routine medical care, like in-person doctor appointments, imaging scans, elective surgeries, what differences can patients expect to see? And what's going on behind the scenes to ensure their safety? Today, I've invited my colleague, Nancy Batista Rodriguez, to the podcast to talk about the many ways Baptist Health is enhancing safety measures to protect the health of everyone who comes through our doors. Ms. Batista Rodriguez is CEO of Baptist Outpatient Services, and her role in this process includes leading, as a co-chair with me, although she's done the lion's share of the work, the Baptist Health System Recovery Playbook, which you'll hear more about. Welcome to the podcast, Nancy. Thank you so much, Jonathan, and thank you for, for having me. Um, as, as you said, we've been working very closely together on our recovery um, uh, really initiative for Baptist Health South Florida. And I'm very happy to report that, again, we were very, um, it, you know, really taking, starting looking at recovery very early on. And it really was, for the listener's perspective, it was 70, 80 people involved um, at the top levels with lots of other people doing work behind the scenes, uh, major components of this recovery playbook. And I think what's important to note, Nancy, is that this was being done from the very beginning while we were still operating in, in terms of taking care of sick patients and emergency patients. So it wasn't as if everything shut down, let's work on this. So great work to you and your team. And I think everyone uh, listening will hear about that. What is in the playbook? So um, as you mentioned, we wanted to make sure that as you know, leaders and caregivers were dealing with the pandemic, as soon as we started on our recovery um, efforts, that they had real life tools. And um, when you look at the playbook, it's very comprehensive. We touch upon um, from you know, patient safety measures, sanitation checklist, infection control protocols, um, assurances for our patients on, on safety, signage that we should universally have at all of our um, areas across Baptist Health. We have scheduling guidelines for surgery, for imaging. Um, again, it is a, a very comprehensive document and what we've, uh, it's done in an electronic format. So regardless of where you are at Baptist Health, uh, you can go ahead and, and print a particular page or use a, a tool. Um, we created a lot of checklist format, right? So if you're a leader on a floor, um, again, and you're busy dealing with patients and, and you know, and, and and your staff, we wanted just leaders to be able to print the checklist and go through it to ensure that they have the information um, that they need. It is electronic because this is uh, this document is 
you know, going to be a, a living document, if you will. Um, every week we're adding new material to it. It, it really is a, a remarkable document. And I think um, um, what we, we should state is that every meeting we've had always starts with the premise that it's all about safety. And that is the pervasive um, uh, component of all the decisions that are being made. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. We want to make sure that um, we that our patients feel comfortable, our physicians feel comfortable, and our staff feel comfortable. So um, we really took that comprehensive approach in a very standardized fashion, which is very important. As you think that we have 23,000 employees um, across multiple counties. So that was very, very important um, as part of our approach that we were standardized and comprehensive. So, so Nancy, I've, I've spoken in other podcasts and elsewhere about the patients uh, or people being afraid over the last couple of weeks to months to get health care, which has placed certain people at a disadvantage, getting sick at home, quite frankly, people even dying at home. So we do want to change that that understanding of our population that, again, these measures have been taking place, not specifically for volume, but we want you to get the care you need so bad things don't happen by delaying care. Um, what can the patient see, for example, now, if they're going to come into, let's say, our, our, a surgical center or a hospital? Let's start with um, screenings, for example. What, what, what are we doing in terms of making sure people are not walking through the doors of our facilities you know, with, with COVID symptoms? So um, uh, every patient and every staff member that walks into our facilities today uh, re- uh, receive a touchless temperature check. It's done with a, a thermometer um, that doesn't touch the patient, right? It's done uh, uh, at a distance. We also ask a series of screening questions uh, related to potential exposure to the coronavirus. So very important, right at the front door, we're taking these measures. We've also limited um, visitors at this point in time through stage one and stage two, um, so that really walking through the doors, it's either staff or uh, patients that are seeking care. Um, so again, we've really started that that um, the process of safety at the front door. And then when you move on, right, we've even looked at the way patients are registered at all of our locations, whether it's in the hospitals or in our outpatient um, sites where we've developed a contactless registration process and checkout. Um, where really we're trying to uh, limit or do away with exchange of paperwork back and forth, pens for signature. So we're doing a lot of things electronically really to um, even make that front office process and registration very, um, you know, streamlined and smooth. And again, uh, reduce the the ability or the chance of, of transmission of, of any type of, um, of a virus. It, it really is noticeable, and I think it is a good level of screening. Um, and it's also for the employees as well, as you mentioned. Um, even I have to walk into my clinical office because I may have some some work to do there, whether it be televisits or patient contacts. I'm getting screened as well on a daily basis, and I think that's something we'll be dealing with for a long time. Um, I know there was a lot of work also done regarding spacing um, and social distancing within the waiting rooms and within the facilities. Um, So again, what can people see if they walk into a doctor's office or they go to get a a mammogram? What can they see differently in terms of what's been done to, to align with the social distancing rules? So great question. So our lobbies, if you walk through, we have uh, separate seating so that again, patients are not one right next to the other. We're uh, ensuring that we meet the six feet social distancing in the lobby. Uh, another important component, any any uh, items that are high touch like magazines and coffee stations, 
were really, uh, you know, removed all of those things uh, from our lobbies. We've also um, implemented a feature that if a patient feels more comfortable waiting uh, for their appointment in their car, we're also um, being able, we're accommodating that as well. Um, if they feel more comfortable, we will call you in your car when, when we're ready. Um, you will also see markings on the floor, um, really uh, separating uh, folks from where they stand at six feet apart. Um, and in some locations where either our front desk is smaller or doesn't allow for that six feet, we've also put plexiglass as well. So again, as you walk into to the lobby, it is going to feel and look different, but it's all being done, of course, for, for the safety of our patients, our physicians, and, and our staff. And again, I'm going to iterate, uh, reiterate that we want people to get their necessary health care. We want them to feel comfortable that they can receive that health care through various uh, aspects of the, the Baptist Health System, um, 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 uh, Baptist Health System facilities and and, and practices, um, and they will notice uh, significant safety measures in place when they seek that health care. What about um, a couple of other things? So, and I'm very much vigilant about this in the practices. So we could put shields up, we can space people, um, but if we're not cleaning the the surfaces and cleaning these touch points regularly. Again, it could all be uh, for naught. So again, the work being done in that space, uh, can we elaborate on that a little bit? Sure, so um, we have enhanced cleaning and infection control processes um, that we've uh, implemented across the enterprise. We actually created a, um, a great video tool for all of our um, environmental staff across the health system to ensure that we're very um, standardized. All of the high touch areas within our clinical settings um, are being cleaned at a very uh, regular basis, as well as enhanced uh, cleaning and infection control processes in between patients, whether you're, as you mentioned, having a mammography, you're having a procedure. Um, so again, we've done that at a very um, standardized process, and all of these tools live within our recovery playbook. Another very important component regarding safety is um, our PPE. Um, so we've made sure that every um, staff member, physician, or patient that walks into a Baptist Health facility receives a mask, a surgical mask. So you will see all of our staff and, and our doctors with masks on within our, our facilities. And we've asked that if patients come with their own um, you know, mask, that they remove them once they come to our facility and we give them um, you know, for their safety one that, that the health system provides. So uh, again, whether it's PPE, sanitation, or infection control, um, we've really uh, left no stone unturned, just making sure that um, we, we are um, enhancing all of these protocols. Um, and and it, it goes without saying all of the training that's occurred uh, for our staff from the very beginning of this pandemic uh, through recovery, um, constant review um, of, of our training and of our expectations to our staff, a lot of leader rounding to ensure that this is happening um, as we want it to happen. So it's really be, uh, been a, a true team effort, both with leaders, with physicians and our staff. Um, I think, um, you know, you and I use the term PPE. We have it kind of embedded in our eyelids at this point. Um, but it's, um, you know, for the, for the listeners, it's personal protective equipment. And that's what uh, Nancy's talking about with masks and gloves and all those um, uh, pieces of equipment to help um, um, keep everyone safe. Um, and you will see that in the practices as well. Um, if you, uh, and in the uh, imaging centers and the hospital as well. Um, maybe something for the hospital, uh, which is more significant as well, again, regarding the 
the fear of coming to the hospitals, which again is inappropriate, especially if you have a medical condition that warrants it. Um, we're kind of keeping the COVID-19 suspected patients separate. So, so can you speak a little bit about what's been done um, um, in terms of if someone's positive or suspected positive, how someone coming in for a non-COVID related symptom won't be necessarily exposed to people who might have um, might have the infection. Sure. So within all of our or, um, facilities, right, we have um, a cohorting of patients that exist. So if you walk into the emergency room and you're screened and you have flu-like symptoms or COVID-like symptoms, you actually go through a very separate track than any other patient that could have a laceration or, you know, chest pain or anything else. So immediately at the point of entry, those two patient populations are separated. Um, and even within our, our floors, right, um, within a hospital, you will have a separate COVID area uh, that is, you know, kept apart from all other types of patients. And again, it, the, the premise is patient safety, so that at all times from the very beginning of that patient experience throughout, those uh, two patient populations are, are kept separate. Uh, again, great reassurance. Um, so let's switch gears for a second. We, we, we've spoken about what will uh, create, what, what is being done to create that physical safety uh, in the patients who may be coming into our facilities, whether they be hospital, ambulatory, uh, again, urgent cares, imaging centers. Um, what are the other options people have? We, we, we've seen the explosion in telemedicine and televisits. Clearly, the first goal, even for a stay-at-home policy is in, in medicine, is to do as much you can outside of people leaving their houses, which you know can only go so far. Um, speak a little bit about you know, the evolution and the potential for our care and demand services and uh, even in the medical practices, the televisits. Sure. So when you even look at the time of the pandemic, the role that telehealth played um, in our response to the pandemic was very um, important. Why? Because we made sure that patients that had any symptoms um, went to telehealth first. And why was that? It helped to protect the patient, our staff, um, and preserve uh, personal protective equipment, as we know that that was a, a national uh, initiative, right? So it was a very important part of our response to the pandemic. And now as we look at recovery, it still remains a, a very significant initiative. Um, why? Because if you look at the way we have to um, redo our, our patient schedules, we do um, have to space patients out, right? So it helps our physicians, it helps our patients, because if our doctors see, you know, three or four patients an hour, potentially they could see two on telehealth and two in person. And there are visits that that really are very conducive to telehealth. Things like um, pre-op um, visits, times that physicians have, just have to review results with patients, um, just virtual check-ins in between appointments for higher risk patients. Um, so these are our visits that are very conducive to telehealth. Um, it really helps to keep especially vulnerable patients, um, you know, uh, safe and, and at home. Um, and, uh, and, and again, it's not conducive for all types of patients. Clearly, there's patients that may need diagnostic tests or more in-depth physical exams. But for um, some of these other types of, of um, consultations, it's definitely a, a great tool in the toolbox, if you will. Um, and it is going to be, uh, as we've seen, important, not only as we dealt with the pandemic, but more importantly, as we look at, at recovery. 
And how, how can people access the Care and Demand? So um, Care and Demand is an, an app that you can download, um, you know, through the App Store, um, whether you have a, an Apple phone or any other device. And um, there's a very quick um, process to download and also to register. And we always ask patients to go ahead and do that even before they need the service so that when you do need it, it is uh, definitely streamlined and available to you. Um, but it is uh, quite convenient. And again, you can basically see a caregiver in a very short period of time, whether it's on demand for urgent care or it's a scheduled visit with your particular provider. We do have practices for on-demand urgent care as well as for the different specialties available uh, throughout the health system. So it is a great resource. And then also for the patients with real symptoms, can't breathe, chest pain, of course, we want them to call fire rescue and, and get taken to the hospital where, again, you will see uh, safe in terms of any risk of exposures for infection. So, uh, again, full spectrum of services for the people not feeling well who can be handled through a televisit with care and demand, uh, maybe calling the medical practice if a little bit more significant, and then certainly uh, still able to use our facilities for uh, imaging, elective surgical procedures, and emergency procedures when necessary. So uh, I think, you know, Nancy, you took um, thousands of hours of manpower and woman power work and condensed it to a few minutes of summary. Um, it really is an extraordinary achievement. Uh, key po components include the fact, as you said, it's a living document. What, what, what we published a week ago has already been changed and adapted and updated as it will continue to be, but it really is uh, a great uh, source of truth for safety for, as we said, the patients, the employees, and the providers. Um, and I think it's something that you uh, and everyone can be very proud of. Um, really, thank you very much for taking your time for your busy schedule and reviewing um, um, for our listeners all these impactful um, 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 procedures and successes uh, in terms of opening up uh, in the phased approach. Um, any final comments, anything that uh, you want to bring up that we didn't touch on? No, I just one other thing to add. Um, as we talked about, this was a very comprehensive approach, and we've also created a recovery playbook for our medical staff. So we basically took all of the tools that pertain to um, our physicians, how we can help them make their medical practices safe as well, if they're community um, doctors. Um, and we wanted to make sure that they had the benefit of these tools. Um, and some of them include patient educational materials and, and all of the other uh, materials that we talked about. But again, we felt very strongly that we wanted to ensure that even our doctors as well, our community doctors had the benefit of these tools so that whether you started your journey with them through one of our um, Baptist Health Medical Group or, or Boca Care physicians that you, that, that our doctors had the same tools available in this very standardized um you know, process that we went through for recovery. So um, again, it, it's really been a, a, a team effort from a Baptist health perspective. And as we know, Baptist is known for, for quality, exceptional care um, and providing compassionate health care. And this is what we're doing um, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic and more importantly through recovery. And it's really been an honor and a pleasure to work with you, Jonathan, and all of the incredible professionals that have been part of the task force. Thank you very much for that, Nancy. And I think it is well said that we want our patients and their families to have that peace of mind uh, with any contact point within the Baptist health system, which can include medical practices uh, as well as uh, facilities. Um, thanks again. Again, great work. Um, as usual, listeners, any, any thoughts, any ideas or future topic requests, please send an email to baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. 
and stay safe and as much as you can stay home. Thank you. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.